and welcome to Northern Natter, a podcast by journalists for journalists who don't want to move down south. If you're just getting into the industry, studying or soon to be graduating, then this is the podcast for you. We're sharing all the tips, tricks and stories from people in the industry, from Scotland and north of England. I'm Katie Baggett from Sunderland and graduated in July 2019 from the University of Sunderland. I have worked at community radio station Spark FM and various news websites. I now work in higher education and freelance as a journalist and audio producer. And I'm Katie Williams, the other half of this Katie duo. I'm a freelance multimedia journalist and podcast producer from Scotland. After graduating a couple of years ago with a journalism and film degree, I now create content for the BBC The Social online platform. There are stories that need to be heard and opportunities in Northern England and Scotland. And we want to find out how we can get them. Because we don't want to move to London. So, welcome to another episode of Northern Natter. Today we have Ian Pope from The Scotsman and Nathan... Is it Eli? Sorry. It is, yeah. Eli, well well pronounced first time. I like that. (laughs) And Nathan Eli from Spark Radio Station. So today we're just going to be chatting all about work experience, which ties in quite nicely because I've just finished my work experience with Radio Clyde News. And I've seen that a lot of other places, Scotsman included, are taking on people for work experience. So we thought it'd be a good opportunity to have a natter about that. So Ian, would you like to get first and just have a little introduction to yourself, who you are, what you do? My name is uh, Ian Pope, specialist editor for Scotsman Publications. That basically means anybody who's got a specialism uh, in their title, line manager then, and we provide stories for our online platforms and our print products. So that would be the Scotsman on a day-to-day basis and then Evening News and the Scotland Sunday newspaper at the weekends. So busy, busy. (laughs) Absolutely, yeah. And what about yourself, Nathan? I uh, am a freelance radio presenter um, officially, kind of like by trade at the moment, a previous programme manager of community radio station Spark, and I still do drive time programme on Spark as well. So amongst that, radio presenter is probably my trade, and I have a, a master's in audio and radio as well. Oh, great. We like audio people here. <laughs> we do. It's the best way, isn't it? it no, is I mean, uh, Ian, you, you're, you're great as well. That's that's no offence to your work. <laughs> None taken, don't worry. Obviously, we're talking about work experience today, and I know from your experience, Nathan, at Spark, we've had uh, volunteers that we've trained up, and the question asked is, how beneficial do you find uh, work experience? Do you think it's something that's really valuable? Yeah. Great question. I think work experience getting into uh, any media section uh, or any industry is really important, to be honest. For me, I think the opportunity of being able to volunteer at a fully functioning radio station like Spark and its type, others locally, of course, like Pride Radio and Tyneside in the Northeast, all offer a fully broadcastable FM platform for you to be able to create all of your ideas. I think being given the opportunity at any level to be able to work in a media workplace is vitally important for development. How about yourself, Ian? 
Yeah, I, I echo what Nathan says there. I think it's invaluable for both parties involved. For the person who's coming in for work experience, it gives them a taste of working life with the best will in the world, something that can't be really recreated in a, in a classroom environment. And that's true for, you know, for any industry, really, not just the media. But also from, from the other side of the fence, it gives us uh, as employers a chance to cast an eye over you know, prospective employees, it's to light a spark uh, if we can, in those people who are cut out for 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 the for journalism in, in any form, you know, a lot of people that we've had through from work experience, especially of late in the Scotsman publications, have gone on. We've gone on to employ, or else to advocate them for employment elsewhere, or perhaps for further education elsewhere, depending on where they are on you know that journey, if you like. How beneficial do we think? Do I think? Is I think it's invaluable. It's a lot of work. From bo- again, from both sides of the, the, the contract, if you like, but um, certainly worth it. Yeah, definitely. I, I have to agree with that as well. Don't you, Katie? Yeah, I think at university, like getting involved with Spark and really learning like on the job experience and skills, it's something that I never thought I'd get into. And I'm so glad I did because, you know, it's, it's got me where I am to do with my career and stuff. So, yeah. It's really invaluable. Yeah, definitely. I didn't actually, I had two weeks work experience at Stirling Observer during uni and that was it. And I re- there was a whole module dedicated to it at uni. And like, one of my regrets is not taking that up. You know, I feel like I missed out on such a big learning curve there. And I was like feeling like really nervous. And only now I had like the confidence this year or well, last year I applied to go and do more work experience. So yeah, you know, and it, like you said, it was invaluable. It was so so great you know the pace for news on the radio it's just i've never experienced anything like that before <laughs> it's really valuable to be able to get work experience be it in a a kind of big workplace or of course our local level our community radio but i don't know whether ian or katie agree with this but for me the idea of making a cup of tea to be able to get in it is a load of rubbish if you ask me i think you should be able to show the ability that you have i mean at the end of the day uh, a lot of us have still worked really hard to get to just this level and continue to work hard to get to a further level so i feel that it's actually really offensive to how hard we've worked so far to be asked to just make a cup of tea and watch through Um, glass and kind of like wish with the ambition to be there in the future i think they should a lot of workplaces should have the ability to be able to let people in and show how creative they can be that's certainly my opinion and one of the problems that i found from previous is some older fashion people within the industry which are still great still have the cup of tea ideology in their head and often can be really hard to break down to get some work off I'm going to take the mantle of being the old-fashioned person here, if only because I've got a few grey hairs in this beard of mine. I hope I'm not that cup of tea person. Uh, I'd like to think I'm not. The, the truth of the matter is that the people that come into our workplace, and I can only speak for our workplace, are not quite expected to hit the ground running, but are expected to be producing and part of our team well within the two weeks that we usually tend to give people as a stint for loads of reasons. Uh, Number one, because if we're going to make that investment in in a work experience person by showing them right and wrong and, and, you know, going through the process of of teaching them things, we need a return on that. And the return is uh, somebody who is able to, to fulfill the job. We don't take people who are anything other than in uh you know higher education and usually quite well on in their in if let's just say it's a a four-year degree that you might be doing 
probably want somebody who's not just at the beginning of that process. Again, if it was a postgrad degree that they were doing, maybe somebody who was well on in that. So yeah, so th- there's no point in us spending two weeks on somebody who's going to be making a cup of tea. To use a businessman's phrase, that's not a great ROI. That's not a great return on investment. So yeah, so that doesn't happen where, where we are. That's nice to hear, Ian. That really is um, positive to hear. Not to say that a work experience person won't be expected to take their turn at making the tea. <laughs> that's fine. <laughs> I like a good brew, to be honest, so it's all right. <laughs> I think it's really that, like, expectations when you go in for work experience as well. Like, I remember my first placement, obviously, like, as a student and stuff. But I think if you're emailing people and getting to know people, it's, like, kind of where you stand as well. Uh, now, that is a really good point. And that's something that, uh, I, I, you know, I hope, I'd hoped we were going to come on to tonight is kind of clear ground rules, you know, and rules of engagement. And now that's something that we... Um, we're discussing just now ourselves because we've been guilty of it. Like you'll have heard horror stories about, you know, really bad work experience postings where you are told, sit down, turn the computer on. We'll show you how to, you know, do something on day four. You know what I mean? And you're just sitting there twiddling your thumbs thinking, well, what do I do? You'll have heard those stories if you haven't been involved in them yourself. Uh, I hope you haven't. This comes back to what we were saying about it being a two-way thing. I think certainly what we're discussing just now in my organisation is you know, the creation of a proper kind of charter, which is, a okay, well, if you come to us, we expect you to do X, Y, and Z. If you do come to us, we will provide you with A, B, and C. Do you know what I mean? And that's kind of laying that out clearly before you before people join us, I think would certainly go some way to you know putting people at their ease and and especially when when we're in a situation where we're all you know in our bedrooms or our kitchens when we're working, and that communication is just a little bit harder you know if we can if we can say right, here's your handbook, here are the things for you to work through here are the you know here's our style guide here's how you know this kind of stuff that's that's where we that's where we're currently at. And um, okay, that might be Stone Age, and as much as a lot of organisations are well ahead of that, but I'll tell you what, the media world is not great at your communication, as funny as that may sound. Well, I think it's really important, especially from both sides, like to get that kind of ease of communication and actually like, have a standpoint of where you're at with things. So yeah, that's really interesting from both of you. Um, leading on to the next question, I was going to say how intimidating it can be when you do start work experience, especially if it's your first time in that environment at all. And you kind of touched on there, Ian. So what would you do? How would you help the work experience candidates? I would say uh, the kind of like hybrid of Spark in terms of community opportunity is that obviously we use that main C word of being community. So we kind of accept volunteers with complete no experience in any form of media at all in essence of course there is a screening process like uh, any kind of volunteer opportunity but we kind of ask for people that one are local and from very different diverse backgrounds and two not necessarily within media so that can probably be really daunting for a new volunteer that is say a full-time worker that works for the nhs and wants to do radio in a spare time which they can do and great that they're doing a uh, an extra opportunity but that kind of of course regulates the amount of training and delivery that the station will need to do there is obviously different levels of training when somebody is uh, entered to to go kind of volunteer for the station one be it very basic as in like look 
here's a studio, here's what the radio does, here's how you speak, here's how uh, you do content. And then, of course, it's catered depending on how much ability or how much experience that person's had. And I'll be honest with you, Katie, to be honest, is uh, there is people that come in that you would never, ever think of it that actually are massive radio geeks that listen to radio every single day of their lives. Uh, they know every single thing that goes on on air, and they sound absolutely amazing on the radio. And that's just come from somebody walking through the doors. Is it nervous? Yes, very nervous. Is it apprehensive? Yes, very different. But I think my main bit of advice would be if you've got a passion for wanting to do broadcasting or, or writing in Ian's case or, or journalism in that aspect, I would say knock on the doors and definitely go for it. And Spark's an amazing opportunity to do that. What about yourself, Ian? How, does, how do the Scotsmen help you work candidates? Again, coming back to some, this is an element that we were reviewing as well just now. In, you know, when we were, were all together, when we were all in the newsroom, it would just be a case of just doing your best to keep an eye on that work experience colleague. And when we're not there and we're not in each other's orbits anymore, that's a wee bit more um, trying. But we, we had a programme um, of people in uh, last year, you know, post-COVID lockdown, and uh, that seemed to work actually quite well, largely because, you know, you, a lot of work experience people are, by their nature, younger and more adaptable. And so, you know, Zoom, Zoom calls, might be, we were all worried whether we would get a paper at all working from, our, from home. And, you know, we've, we've proven, proven that we can do it. And certainly the most adaptable we have found out of many of our colleagues has been the, the newer guys. How do we stop it being intimidating? Well, we make sure that anybody that comes into our team is factored into our conversations, number one. We do have, and this is something that's maybe been brought upon us by, um, by COVID, is you know, we now have factored into our days, we have a, a, a briefing. So that's changed the dynamic of the team, having a team meeting every day where we can each not go over each other's stories, but we, you know, we certainly um, we can give advice. So yeah, so our, our younger um, work experience colleagues are always factored into that meeting from day one, and they are encouraged to voice their opinions and you know give their tuppence. That's when it goes both ways. In as much as if somebody's a shrinking violet for a fortnight with no ideas then I'm going to maybe have one view on their future with us. Whereas if somebody is bursting with ideas and can enact them and, and write them up, then then great, I'm going to have another view on their future. And how, how can people find these ideas? Where do stories come from? Where do stories come from? <laughs> I think you need to consume media, whether it be radio or television or, or you know whatever. I'm not going to list every media. But I think you guys need to be consumers of media and to have shown interest in the world or whether it be, a, you know, a, at a community level, the community around you, something that is pertinent to where you are. So, for example, if I was doing a stint at the Sterling Observer, I would like to think I was maybe on top of what was happening in the Sterling area. That's probably a little bit harder, actually, than it sounds. You need to make time to consume media. You know, there's only 24 hours in every day. And number two, just diving in. And I know that you guys are doing it here with your, with your podcast. I know, I know you've got blogs as well. I think doing as much as um, talking about is, is, is really important. And you guys will have picked stuff up and skills from just from having a blog. I know it sounds daft, but even just the process of setting up a blog 
to come back to the original question, which was about intimidation, while I don't want people to be intimidated ever by the organisation that you know that we have, I think it's also important on the other you know the other swing of the pendulum, if you like that. There's a certain amount of healthy respect for you know what they're about. So, for example, Nathan's radio station cannot allow things below a certain standard to be to be broadcast in the same way that I can't allow things below a certain standard to be published. That involves conversations with work experience people to show them what is above and below standard, then that's that's the point of people coming in for work experience is so that they have that dialogue and that they can, you know, also perhaps understand in the heat of the moment, if you like, that it's okay for somebody to say to you, this isn't going to work, let's do it this way. We don't want to ever intimidate people, but we do want people to meet our, our standards. Yeah, I mean, that, I think that's part of the learning curve, to be honest. Absolutely. Um, in this industry, rejection is a part of it with ideas and stuff. And I think you do just sort of have to take it with a pinch of salt and just try to learn from it, I think. It's, it's funny it's as well. Some, sometimes I've been guilty of allowing people to make mistakes on purpose so that the effect of the mistake comes back to them. So they learn a lesson. Does that make sense? Right. So I quite often will allow the reporter to make the mistake knowing that it'll get picked up. Some it'll, it'll never get into print, but it'll get picked up somewhere along the chain by somebody who's maybe a little bit gruffer than me does that not take more time though, rather than you just saying, oh, by the way, you've spelled his name wrong, and then they can learn there and then? Yeah, but some, but you know what? Uh, um, I'm just re- recalling back to the lessons I learned in the newsroom when I was doing work experience. The, so the main thoroughfare in Edinburgh is Princess Street, right? And one of the main spelling errors, as I found out, is to call it Princess Street. Princess Street, yeah. <laughs> with, a, with an extra S. It goes down like a lead balloon. Now, the news editor could have come over and told me gently in my ear, please don't ever misspell Princess Street again. He didn't. He bellowed it across the newsroom and everybody else went, oof, ooh, he misspelled Princess Street. Now, I remember it. Now, I remember it really well. Would I have remembered it quite as well if the guy had been a little bit gentler with me? I'm not so sure. Um, I'm not saying that that's the way that we always deal with things, but you know what? Sometimes it does pay to, to, to reinforce a point. Following on from that, going back to Nathan, uh, do you think work experienced is somewhat valued now more than qualifications? I know we've touched on that in the past. It's always good to have like on your CV, whether you've had done a degree or whether you've done qualifications in the past, but I think it's the age old question we've been asking in a couple of previous episodes, whether work experience is actually valued more than a degree or somewhat partnered together. So yeah, Nathan, what's your thoughts on that? It's kind of conjunctive to, to the last question we just spoke about, but leading on to the next answer now is that there is a brand to follow, of course, and there's brand uh, kind of guidelines and brand standards to follow. But certainly, certainly in radio, and I'll talk on that emphasis, it's creative freedom that a lot of things, a lot of people like to be able to push. And certainly at a community radio level, creative freedom is something that sparks sells at its top sort of prominence when entering. We sort of sell the idea of if you have a concept or an idea in your mind, we can turn that into a eligible and legal piece of radio. And that is exactly what we try and push really in terms of the station. 
if you're really into getting to radio or, or, or journalism or a newspaper or video or TV, you've got to have a portfolio behind you, I think. And I think it's been able to show that you have made evidence of a very small story and turned it into something that's really creative, be it written or be it audio based. You've tried to get something and make it your own. And that is the, the bit of advice that I would want to push is keep going at delivering content no matter what you do even if it's content to yourself in your bedroom which we're all doing at the moment because i speak to walls in my room day to day from broadcasting at home um or if it's just trying to find a very small story and interacting with your colleagues or friends at, at a beginning level i don't think that work experience overlaps the fact that you're degree qualified because I think having a degree is not, you know, the bread and butter and it's not the be all or end all in trying to get that job. It just shows that you're academic at that level, really. It shows that you can reach that capability and it kind of shows that you can be committed to something as well. So you've kind of gone that far. I think having a portfolio and having a brand is something that certainly is important and i found from speaking to a lot of program managers locally is that they're looking for the fact that you've continued on creating content when i've went for like job interviews in the past and i think like when i was doing my degree it's the thing of like building up your portfolio and actually keeping it up to date and then when i've went to job interviews they've went right could you send your portfolio over and i think if that's not kind of ready or it's updated you kind of like oh no like i need to get that sorted so yeah i think my big tip would be the same as you like keep your portfolio up to date because you never know when you're going to use it it's the hardest bit to do you know it really is because in in sort of my forte my portfolio was of course a radio demo and keeping my voice consistent to what needs to be sent out one topical two entertaining and three what that brand needs so it's kind of meeting and ticking three or four boxes within one two and a half to three minute piece of audio. Every word that Nathan said, I concur with. And, you know, you guys are, are kind of proof of the pudding, both both of you two, that, that you're doing it just now. I suppose if you like, part of the generational shift over the last 10, 20 years is the fact that traditional media no longer has its hands on the sole levers of power. The rise of, of mobile media and you know, your phone having more computing power than the Apollo uh, means that, you know, we can all be filmmakers, we can all be podcast producers, and we can all be journalists, da-da-da-da-da-da-da. It's just having the gumption to go and do it. Is, is, a, is a degree as important as a portfolio? No way. No way. The fact that you can show willingness to do the job and is, is always going to be more important. In fact, you know, your, your portfolio doesn't even need to be that good, really. You know, anybody who's in, employing a young journalist isn't going to expect, a, you know, a huge hinterland of published work, unless it was self-published. But I would expect that in the same way as if, you know, if you're saying that you want to go into radio, okay, well, where's your demo tape? Or TV, well, where's your showreel? You know, there's no excuse for nobody having not done that if they're coming into the marketplace. It's almost true pretty much of anybody wanting any journalism entry just now. Uh, you know, we've got 120 applicants sitting just now that I need to sift through on an evening this next couple of weeks or several evenings the next couple of weeks. We, we want to give two-week stints to people on the basis that the first week we kind of scrub off as us showing you how to turn the computer on or, or, or you know, learn our CMS or whatever it may be. 
so that we're not really expecting people to be productive until week two. But, you know, week two, we would want you to at least leave with enough in your portfolio that it's been worth your while. But also that we get a good look at you as a prospective uh, employee. Would you accept people then who aren't students? People who want to go into journalism who might have had, who might have like a little portfolio or a blog, but who haven't necessarily gone to uni? Okay, let's just go through that. You know, let's just say the 120 that applicants that I have, those that have gone through university and who have the media law and the touch typing and shorthand, I know that's another contentious issue, which we'll, you've discussed previously, but those, those guys are going to stand a better chance than those who don't, purely on the basis that they're going to, in that short time that we have them, there's more of a chance of them hitting the ground running just because of the skills they've already picked up in the classroom. Would we ever consider somebody who doesn't have any of those skills? That's a tough one. We tend, we tend not to, is the short answer. The piece of paper that you email in with your CV and you know, all the details of your, your course, that only gets you through to you know, one stage in the process. Then it's your, as you say, your portfolio of work. Okay, that's the next thing we need to consider. Then after that, it's just kind of casting our eyes on people and, and seeing what they're like. As people we want to work with or not, as much as anything else. Nathan, what about at Spark? What do you just do? You just take uh, students. Spark is a radio station that is for young people, but actively, seemingly ran by students because it's operated by the University of Sunderland. Now, I think the main confusion for a lot of people is it's not a student radio station. It's a community radio station for young people. So there is a kind of like big differential between it and our audience thinking that it's a university radio station. It isn't that. It's just funded by the uni. The station pretty much accepts anybody that wants to do radio. Now, of course, there has to be a screening process naturally to anything because we want to accept a a lot of different and variation of people. But they need to show sort of like willingness and, you know, basic working ideology uh, and of course the love for radio and the love for creating and speaking to an audience so I, I think that is the first criteria is do you want to do radio and do you want to speak to an audience and do you want to be creative and they're the questions that we would ask and look at when we first of all speak to a person one-to-one so the short answer is yes it's open to a lot of people that want to do radio go for it but no it's not open to the whole world if you see what i mean (laughs) yeah of course of course so what is it that you look for then in your candidates so if people are listening who want to apply next year or later down the line what will make them stand out for you i think somebody that has got a great evidence of their local area the area of sunderland and the community of sunderland and what a young person does locally somebody that is wanting to be committed and be flexible and reliable because a community radio station runs 365 days a year, much like any other sort of radio brand. I think somebody that wants to be creative and genuine to themselves and show personality, I think the main thing that a Spark manager looks for is if you want to come in and be a presenter, are you being yourself as soon as you walk in? And if you're doing a demo tape, is that you? Are you being yourself? Is your personality showing the full potential that I can do? And are our audience 
going to like you because of that. I think likability is a massive thing when becoming a radio presenter, so to say. If you want to be a producer or a social media executive or something behind the scenes, then of course we, we look at what your social media presence is like, what you interact with, and the sort of stuff that you think our audience will interact with. We want our radio presenters to live the same life as our listeners, uh, and often it's the, the hardest thing to do is make the radio sound like a conversation that we have with your best mate or a conversation that you have with your brother or sister. It's, it's often the hardest thing to do. I think it's that like, relatability with your audience, isn't it? It's how you come across as a person on the radio or on the airwaves and if they can like relate back to you. Absolutely. I think like the main message, if you certainly want to become a radio presenter, and I do this all the time, is I picture a mental image of my nan and I'm going, am I talking to my nan and am I talking to my granddad? And they're in front of me. And if I think they're going to interact and laugh with that, then the chances are that I'm being personable and natural to that person. Yeah, I think that's brilliant advice. And I think you know, for anyone who is wanting to go into radio presenting or even po- you know, podcasting as well, when you are just speaking, and, and, you, know, you hear a lot of like, podcasters who are just like speak to themselves, but you want, you know, it's not just the audience in front of us. It's not just, you know, us four involved in this conversation. It's the listeners too. And I think it is really important to make sure that that comes across. And yeah, I think that's, I think that's top advice. Yeah, I think it is. And there was one word, and, and I've trained a lot of people this, and then, Ian, the, the, the floor path is open for you after this, but um, there is one word, and I think the word is you. Referring to the listener as one person, using the word you instead of going I or everyone. So speak to the listener as one. It could be 10,000, it could be 1 million, but I want to speak to them as them alone, and that is the best advice. Use the word you. Speak to the person like they're a human. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Ian, on, on to you. When I think of the, the range of people in, in the newsroom, it's a cast of vagabonds, but it's a cast of very different vagabonds as well. There are loads of different talents, skill sets in that newsroom. And if there's a unifying fact, uh, you know, just a keenness to, to, to hear a good story uh, and more importantly, to tell a good story. The cast of reporters that we have, some of them are great story getters. And some of them are st- great story writers. Very few of them do both, but not all of them. You can forgive people having one or the other, you know, kind of aptitude. And some people have got tenacity. Other people have got a personability like like Nathan on, on, on you know, and, and the ability to speak to everybody. The point I'm making is we've got different talents, right? And it's a broad church. So what are we looking for? There's no one set of defining characteristics we're looking for. But what we, what we would be keen on always trying to draw is... A willingness to learn to listen i think to round the episode off what advice see this is a very broad question but what advice would you give new journalists or students or graduates or anyone who's listening really about wanting to get into the industry one top tip jump in both feet google is your friend pick up skills you know there's nothing that i have needed to know in the last few years that isn't out there on the internet Jump in. It's, the world is your oyster, and you're very lucky to have the ability to be able to to create things like your podcast here. You know, without having to go to recourse to radio engineers or or getting a license from the government to do it. You know what I mean? Have a crack. Don't expect the world to come to you. That's why I keep telling my guys because the world won't come to you. You need to come to the world and and sh- show them what you've got. Oh, you need um, to hustle, don't you? Yeah, you do. And you need to sharpen your elbows as well because there's loads of people in the same boat. 
keep your contact book up to date as well. I love that. I've got massive kind of like love hearts for Edinburgh as a city, firstly. So that is kind of like my vibe, definitely. But I think the best thing that I can offer advice is this thing that's in front of you, your phone. Everyone's got one and it's really, really valuable. I think like as a radio presenter, certainly, is if you see an idea, everything is content put it on your notes, make a voice note and try and walk down the street and create something in your head and bank it down. I think like if you want to commit your life to radio, then it is your life. Everything will turn into radio. Believe me, every single little thing that happens walking past my street will turn into a voice note or on a sort of like Google note or, or something like that. So I would say if you have an idea, do it, deliver it, make it execute it and stick it out if you have a platform like spark which is you know amazing to to have a fully functioning radio station that that works and has a a big audience in sunderland if you have the silliest of idea please make it and don't be scared i think that leads on really nicely to our final question that we ask all our guests do you need to move to london to be a journalist or to work in the media why would you put yourself through the hassle of having to to take you know an hour to an hour and a half to get to your work in the morning and then for an hour and a half back without seeing any of your mates or your family to live a desperate existence for for frankly in our industry for in our, let's be honest with you relatively chicken feed at least if you're going to get paid modestly in in scotland or or the northeast of england wherever you happen to be you, your buck's going to go a little bit further london ain't all that no edinburgh and glasgow are just as good absolutely what about yourself, Nathan? You've got to ask yourself the question, haven't you? Is, is the lights of the big city the saviour? Um, many people within radio may argue it offers the most opportunity and it offers you access to be able to get delivery of the big major brands like Radio One and Capital um, that all come from London, a lot of them. I think one positive thing that's happened recently, certainly in the radio industry um, and from the BBC and complementary to this, is that they are starting to swing a little bit more of their major national platforms in the north. I've seen that uh, Salford is obviously already a big hub for Five Live and Six Music, but they're starting to move one extra, an Asian network and other places that could be going to the north. Do you need to move to London? I really, really, really want to say no. Because I am obviously from the North and I really like the North and I would love my job within radio full time to be in the North. My voice is the North. You know, that, that's it, really. I do not have the finances to move to London. Uh, the flats are too high. My overdraft as a student didn't sustain that level of London price. To be fair, I probably couldn't even afford a pint in one day in a flat. So um, it is most definitely a no f- for me in terms of finance. Do I feel that like it stopped radio sort of opportunities? A little bit, yeah. Because I think there are some people, certainly big radio bosses, that are searching for people that are local to where their office is, which is in London, you know, and that is a shame. And with the loss of certain types of local radio, now smaller hubs that are local surrounding us are getting less and less because networking and national radio is taken over. But to end it on this one, I think we're going to see a big swing in terms of local small-scale DAB coming up soon in terms of radio. So digital radio it is becoming a more popular thing, and smaller sections of the country are starting to really enjoy the idea that they can have a local voice back on air again. Um, so 
I'm hoping for that, that there is a big swing in terms of local radio. Because let's be honest, in my opinion, and I like national radio as well. It's slick, it's well executed, it's delivered well, all of that. But I want to hear a local voice now. I want to hear something that is local to me. So I, I am hoping that there's going to be a swing, certainly in the radio industry anyway. Yeah, well, I think that's a lovely way to end it. So I just want to thank you both so much for giving us your time tonight. Thank you very much, Ian. Nice to meet you as well. Um, I, I, wish, I wish you luck in, in Edinburgh and, and I'm hoping that the Edinburgh Festival happens soon as well because I'm um, all there for that. <laughs> Come and see us. Come and see us. Bye. Cheers. Bye, everyone. So thanks so much for joining us. And why not give us a follow on social media over at Northern Natter. We're on Twitter, Instagram, Spotify and Google Podcasts. And don't forget to share and follow us to keep up to date. We really appreciate the support. So for me, Katie Williams, and me, Katie Backup, this is Northern Matter. <laughs>